Hello and welcome to This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. I'm Scott Interante and today I am joined by Ruth at Evening Crickets on TikTok and other platforms. <laughs> uh, Ruth, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. So you... If I understand correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but you have a um, formal training in music, right? You Did you yes. study opera? Is I that did, right? yeah. So I have three degrees in classical music. Wow. Yeah, I know. A lot of time, a lot of money that I owe to Uncle Sam with these degrees. <laughs> but uh, yeah. so I actually, I went to performing arts high school and did vocal performance there in South Carolina where I grew up. And then um, I got my bachelor's in vocal performance my master's in vocal performance and literature. And then I have a postgraduate degree in operatic performance that I got here in Chicago. So we did a lot of opera for like a solid decade of our life. Um, Where I did my master's was at the Eastman School of Music, which they they like to refer to themselves as the quote unquote Harvard of music schools. Um, (laughs) I think that's, uh, I I don't know. I think that's a bit of a stretch, but it is a performance-based school, but they really love like focusing on music theory and music history history, like academic based things, which was really nice to like round out, I guess, my musical education. Um, But I got all those degrees and now I have a corporate America gig. So, you know, living the dream. Well, (laughs) that's sort of what I wanted to talk to you, not about transitioning into the corporate world, but for people who have or have not seen, you know, your TikToks or are there other online platforms that you have a blog now, you write about pop music primarily. And so I'm wondering if like where that transition came came for you or how you thought about wanting to start putting out content about music that was sort of in a different sphere? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, as much as I loved opera, opera kind of broke my heart. I think like it's, it's an art form that has a lot of growing it needs to do just with how they treat people. And I think that that's Mm -hmm. sometimes when you delve into the arts, that's unfortunately a truth that happens. Um, So I felt for a while that like music wasn't mine or like it couldn't be mine, um, that I wasn't good enough, you know, like I, that couldn't be something that I had. And so it was really over the pandemic when like you're stuck at home with your stay at home order that like, you know, I missed music. And so I got back into it by playing music. I started picking up instruments and like teaching myself how to play. Um, And I attribute a lot of like why I started talking about music because TikTok brought me into the fold of like the Harry Styles fandom and seeing these like young people Mm -hmm. like love his music. And I thought, well, I have a lot of background to like talk about why his music is great and why pop music in general is really interesting and fun. It doesn't have to be Mozart. It doesn't have to be Bach. Those things are great and that's great. And we can have a time for that. But pop music also, there's a lot lot of interesting stuff that happens in pop music that I think people don't necessarily hear. And so that was kind of what it was, was it was like, oh, I want to start talking about music again. I want to be involved in music in any way. And I I needed human connection, I think, at that time too. So I was like, "Let's, let's talk about things. Let's discuss it. Let's share these cool things that we're listening to and that we love. And it was a way for me to connect with people when I think I needed it most. So that's kind of how it all started. And I think I've gotten farther and farther away from performing and more into like, I want to talk to artists. I want to share things that like make us excited about music and how we even art in general, not just music, but how we create and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of a mixed bag. Yeah. Well, it's actually it's funny because so I also went in the sort of like traditional music schooling route. I studied Mm. composition in my undergrad and then transitioned into musicology for my master's specifically to 
write about pop music. And actually, my master's thesis is on One Direction. So both of us oh, came into no <laughs> pop analysis through, uh, you know, Harry Styles adjacent stuff. Oh, my God. I want to read it. You have to send it to me. I love <laughs> I will, that. I will, That's I will. amazing. But yeah, so I'm curious, though, if, you know, during the time that you were studying music more formally... Were you also like into pop music? I mean, were you into One Direction at the time or did it come through <laughs> Harry Styles later? One Direction, I saw a video someone made and they were like, I never had my One Direction phase because I was too busy being not like other girls. And that mm. was definitely like my high school experience um, when they were like at their height. But I've always had a very big breadth of music that I've been listening to. So I grew up with musical theater. And then obviously got into opera because that was like the cool thing that I wanted to do. But I've always listened to pop music, country music. I love rap. Like I love it all. You know, I like to have a, a big breadth of like what I listen to. Most of the time I gravitate more towards pop music or like indie pop music, but I'm always like listening to everything. So I just, yeah. I love music in general. So if it's opera, if it's Harry Styles, you know, whatever, yeah. that's what we're going to do. I wonder because you were saying that being on TikTok and seeing the Harry Styles fandom was partially like how you got into it. Mm -hmm. Is the fandom, the community aspect of yeah. pop music something that particularly interests you? I think I, I think it's very interesting. I like I if I could take a class on fandoms and like parasocial relationships, I'd do it in a heartbeat. I just think people are very interesting and in how they get attached to things. Um, I think what I saw more in that space was young women stating their opinions. And that was something that like I I was very excited about, regardless if I also shared that opinion. But like from my classical background, right. I didn't experience that a lot, like feeling validated in like the opinions I had in, in the field. I always felt like I was never smart enough or like I didn't know or, you know, that kind of a thing. Or I, I was never like... I never felt really supported, I guess, in those spaces to like say what I felt about music. So then I saw this fandom of like these young, young women and young people that were doing that hand over fist unashamedly. And that's, I think, what like drew me to that was I was like, oh, this is a space where I can talk about the things that I like and why I like them and I don't have to be ashamed. So yeah, right. I think that that was definitely an aspect of it that I was like, oh, this is, this is really cool and very interesting. Sometimes terrifying. <laughs> right. But like, I do think that it's, yeah, it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. I find, and maybe this is naive of me, but you know, when I was doing my master's, that was like peak Tumblr era mm -hmm. and Twitter fandom as well. But like, I feel like uh, there are certain spaces in fandom that cultivate a lot of toxicity. And I think TikTok is less of that. Yeah. I don't know if that's, maybe I'm just not paying enough <laughs> I think, attention. Yeah, but. I know. I think you're right. I think like any social media app has the capacity to be toxic, but I feel because it's TikTok and you're seeing the face of another person. Faces, yeah. yeah. That like somehow that lessens it a little bit. I, then like Twitter where you can yeah. be completely anonymous and you don't, doesn't feel like you're interacting with the person. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So now that you've been sort of out there and, you know, creating content and analyzing pop music and talking about it, have you found your relation to it change or, you know, what, what has it done to you the way that you listen to music? Yeah. I mean, I'm always like, now I find myself like listening to things to be like, oh, what cool things can I discover in this song? You know, like, what are the things that this musician is using? I always find it really fun when like, like, for instance, with Harry Styles' music, I love it. And I think there's so many interesting things. But, like, I just learned in an interview that he can't read music. 
you know? And so it's like, oh, so these are mm-hmm. like things that he's just picking up from like the music he listens to and like the people he works with. I think if anything, it's just, it's taught me to delve deeper into who creates the music. Like I've learned about so many producers in the last year that are like, mind-boggling amazing and like the things that they do that was never on my radar before and like the teams that make up the people that create the albums that like are the people that are making the music we love right now so I think in that way it's like scratch the itch of like my research brain (laughs) you know like when I hear a Maggie Rogers song that I really love I want to know who helped her create it and then from there it's like oh well they also worked with this person and then you know oh I ended up liking that music too so I think that's how it sort of changed me a little bit is it's made me like this little like researcher in a weird way. (laughs) Yeah. So I wonder if you have any thoughts on something that makes you love a song, right? Like regardless of like who the artist is or what the style is or something, you know, is there something that really you look for to say that this is a great song? I'd say previously I really was attached to lyrics so like lyrics would be immediately what I would latch on to. So like artists like Taylor Swift, I really was like involved in that or Lucius, like lyrics that like cut me or that I really loved. But now I like, I don't know, I'm really obsessed with bass lines now, like really into that, like a okay. slap and bass. And I think we're all like sort of hearkening back to like 1970s vibes now. So there's a lot of like disco mm-hmm. elements with some like really nasty, gnarly bass lines. <laughs> So like um, Dua Lipa's album, like I'm really into, I love like bigger sounds. So like horns, like elements from my like classical background that come into it. So if there's like a string section or a harp, like Florence and the Machine, like I really, I love big cinematic sounds. So I think that's really what I'm a sucker for is like when the songs sort of like open up, that really gets me. That's, that's sort of what I look for now, I think. Nice. Okay. So with that in mind, Ruth, what is the song that makes you scream, this is the great Greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. Oh, the song is Night Shift by Lucy Dacus. So good. It's so good. <laughs> oh, I should have worn. I have um, I have the Lucy Degas music for hot people T-shirt. I should have worn that. <laughs> I love her. Her merch is top notch. It's so good. I yeah. love it. So, I love that it feels like an inside joke with her fans. It's so great. It's so mm-hmm. great. But yes, night shift. <laughs> so this song, while it doesn't feature like a bigger cinematic sounds mm-hmm. or, or production like you were just talking about i think compositionally it does exactly yes. that right it, we i mean it's like the part that is the most well known is when it really uh-huh. opens up at the yes. end is that part of the appeal oh here? yeah i think that she earns every single second of this six minute song that happens like it's not one that yeah. i ever get sick of like when i first saw it i was like oh damn a six minute song like okay and then i was like i'm playing it again and i'm playing it on a loop and it's i don't know like the way that it just organically <laughs> explodes is some of the most exciting music I think I've ever experienced, you know, and that, I don't know. I just, I love how big it gets at the end. Um, And I also love that like in her discography, she doesn't try and like recreate it, you know, like she lets night shift sort of be on its own and it's not like a shtick or a thing that she does. She just did it for this moment. And I think it's so effective. The first time I heard this song was seeing it live, which (gasps) she she opened up for Miski a few (sighs) summers ago. And like, so I had known that her big song at the time was called Mm -hmm. night shift, but I hadn't heard it. So she started playing this song and 
again, like it takes a long time for you to, for me to figure out like that's what the yeah. song is, right? And so when it finally gets to that final section where and it's like, oh, okay, I understand. Yep. And then, you know, the big the big explosion. Yeah. It's so so good. I also on your blog you have a really beautiful post about the song and about the lyrics. And I think she is such a phenomenal lyricist. Mm-hmm. In particular for me, it's uh the song Brando. I think it like it knocks me out every single yep. time how incredibly insightful those lyrics are and how like she's able to really capture huge things in tiny, tiny yep. moments. Um, but so I'm curious for you to talk a little bit about the lyrics of Night Yeah. Shift. Well, I wrote about this in my blog, but like, I just love how, like, she, like you said, she takes these tiny moments and makes them feel so visceral or so gross or so extreme. Like the opening lyrics are talking about her kissing another person, you know, like this is, I think this might be one of her only breakup songs if not the only break of song she's ever written. Um, And like, she's talking about kissing someone after this relationship and how like she tasted their spit and it made her go into a coughing fit. And that is something that is so intimate. And so like, I don't know, like I see it happening. It's so visceral. You know, she could have done that Mm. a million different ways, but instead she chose to do it that way, which immediately makes it gritty and human. And I love that. I love it so much. Like she... She writes like an A24 film, you know, like it's like you can't look away. (laughs) It's just like something that's so, I don't know, it's so guttural about it. And I love that that's like how she opens this song. It's not about like how hurt she is or how like heartbroken it is. It's just like how wrong this felt. And yeah, and does it with the image of swapping spit. So gross. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Do you have a, a memory of hearing this for the first time? Yes, I do. I do. I listened to this for the first time. Uh, I was at a very awful desk job that I had uh, that had, I think, one window in the building. So very little sunlight. And I remember listening to it and just like, you've got a nine to five, so I'll take the night shift. And like, I felt like I was floating, you know, like to have someone like pin me so well in that moment and like the angst I felt. And like, I don't know. I think that that's something that like songwriters like Lucy get so well is like that anger that you can feel sometimes, but it's not like all encompassing. I don't know. But yeah, I, I was at this job hating my life a little bit. And then Lucy came in and saved the day. So Yeah. That's so good. I wonder if there's anything else like, you know, other than the sort of structure of mm-hmm. it, having that big explosion in her screaming up the <laughs> octave at the, the end. Is there anything else musically that you want to call out? I love the guitar in this. It's so interesting how it starts so sparse. The first time I tasted somebody else's spit, I had a coughing fit. And like, it's just her. And what I love even more is that she does that live too. Like I went to see her in October Mm -hmm. last year and how intimate her shows feel is almost suffocating. You know, like it's, it's just her and this guitar alone. And it's an electric guitar that then, then eventually like gets fuzzy and screams later on in the song. But I love that it's just, I don't know, at the beginning, there's just something so intimate about it being just her and this guitar that then eventually opens up with like the drum and the other instruments that like come in. Yeah. It's great. And just because I feel like it's too much of a tease to not do so, I want to play a little bit of the climax here because everyone deserves it. Yeah. 
Okay, phenomenal choice. Thank you so much for bringing this song. And where can people find you online? You can find me everywhere at Evening Crickets across all social media platforms and also at eveningcrickets.com. Wow. What well, Can I ask, what is the, the Evening Crickets? Yes, you can ask. So there's a song by Kimbra. She's an, uh, an artist from New Zealand. Uh, I think it's called Good Intent off of her first yeah. album, Vows. And the lyric is like, you heard the crickets of the early eve. I came up with this handle during the high Tumblr days when everybody right. needed <laughs> something. And I I was like, oh, I love that. Like, you know, music in the everyday, music in the crickets. So I just put evening crickets and that's what it's been for, I think, close to a decade now. That's that's perfect. Perfect choice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to another episode of This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a rating and review. We love hearing what you have to say. You can follow us on social media at Great Song Pod. That's GR number eight song pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. We do a lot of cool stuff on TikTok, so check us out over there. Special thanks to Catherine and Izzy who helped produce the show, to Skylar Spence whose song Kratos and Love is our theme music, and of course to you for listening. Talk to you next time.